How do you take the measure of a resource? When it's an agricultural product, it's fairly easy. When it's the value of trees as a carbon sink in the Amazon rainforest, it can be a little trickier. Certainly a challenge here is, you know, we may be seeing the land used in one purpose and we're trying to have to speculate how value would be to if, if we shifted purposes in it. And so that's where we have methods that allow us to think quantitatively how important that uncertainty is. Welcome to The Pie. I'm your host, Tess Viglund. Economists are always talking about the pie, how it grows and shrinks, how it's sliced, who gets the biggest share. In this show, we're talking about the most pressing matters of the day seen through the lens of economics. The Pie is a production of the University of Chicago's Becker Friedman Institute. And in this episode, we're looking at the role of trees in helping to solve climate change and how to place a value on that resource when it comes into conflict with other demands on that land. Close to 20% of the Amazon rainforest has been destroyed, both by fires and by deforestation to make room for agricultural use. The forest itself contains over 100 billion tons of captured carbon, carbon taken out of the atmosphere. That's roughly equivalent to the total U.S. emissions of carbon dioxide from 1990 to 2010. So with climate change becoming an ever more present threat and reality, what might it take to place a value on that resource in order to keep more of it from disappearing? For some answers, we turn to a leading expert in economic dynamics who works at the forefront of economic thinking and modeling, drawing approaches from macroeconomics, finance, and statistics. He also won the 2013 Nobel Memorial Prize in Economics. Hello, this is uh, Lars Peter Hansen. I'm uh, the David Rockefeller Distinguished Service Professor in Economics, Statistics, and the Booth School of Business. My favorite pie is pumpkin pie. So Lars, I want to set the table here by having you first describe the importance of the Amazon rainforest in Brazil. I think there's a general knowledge that the Amazon plays a really important role in the health of the global climate. You know, we all learned in school about trees and photosynthesis, right? But before we can get into economics, I'd really like you to explain the Amazon's status as a so-called carbon sink. Why is it so important to the planet? As we think about climate change, it's good to think about alternative ways to address it, to confront it, you know, in terms of various different policy measures. The Amazon rainforest is an example of, of a so-called natural solution to the problem in which we have the opportunity to, to, to through nature solutions, to address climate change. And it's interesting now that a region like the Amazon is um, actually an emitter of carbon, and it has a potential to be an absorber of carbon. So it can get, it's a, there's a possibility of kind of reversing something here that could be very, very helpful to um, the uh, overall global economy and society for that matter. But, but interesting, the rainforest uh, in Brazil is also in part an example. It's a very, very important rainforest, but there's other rainforests around the world. The type of methods we're thinking about and analysis we're doing are really extendable to uh, other areas as well. So we hear the term carbon capture a lot in the debate over, you know, how to reverse climate change. Right. And so here you have forests that are basically doing that without technology. Yes. So what if, you know, instead of carbon capture technologies, we just planted more trees uh, in the Amazon, in the other places that you're talking about around the world? Would that get us out of the climate change trouble we're in? 
I, it's not realistic to expect that to get, get us out of it completely. I think it's a partial answer to a, um, to a bigger problem. And why focus on the Amazon? A couple of reasons. One is the Amazon is a major rainforest, and, and so there's a big opportunity there in its own right. We also ha- I, I have collaborators that are experts in Brazil and uh, have access to very good data that um, there are important inputs into our study. And these are data about productivities, like um, how productive is the land use in the Amazon for agriculture? How productive could it be for absorbing carbon via tree planting and growth? So those type of productivities are really vital to the type of calculations we want to do. And in the case of the Brazilian Brazilian Amazon, uh, especially through my collaborator's expertise, um, we have some nice data that helps to support this type of analysis. All right. So let's talk about what is happening to the Amazon right now. How much of it is being lost to development, to deforestation, to uh, basically turning it into land for agriculture? Yeah, so right now, I, uh, I, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but right now it is an emitter of carbon. So the fact of the matter is agriculture is done at a substantial enough level that uh, the Amazon is a rather substantial emitter of carbon, which you take into account the area of the region and, and, and the like. And so it's contributing to the problem of climate change and not contributing to its solution. And I read in your study, uh, it's about 240,000 square miles, about the size of Texas, yeah. right? Yeah, that's, that's how much of it is gone? Yes. Well, let's get to the economics here. And what we're talking about is local agriculture versus the global benefits of that carbon sink, right? So how has this trade-off traditionally been measured? So there's a lot of discussions in the aggregate about uh, rainforests. So it, we talk about what um, the total number or the total amount of, ag- of land that's devoted to agriculture, the total amount of land that might be devoted to uh, tree capture and the like. I think it's important for this study, and the thing that's kind of central to this study is we have data about the individual regions within the Amazon. So we have what we think of as um, over data on a, over a thousand different sites within the, in the Amazon. So we take the Amazon and break it down into little pieces. And each of those pieces, we can then stud, study how productive it is for uh, both agriculture and for carbon absorption. And so when we're doing a study here, it's, it's, it's a study that's dynamic. We care about the evolution, the evolution over time, but it's also spatial or geographic. Where is that production being done, and where should it be done in, in, in ways that, we be, that would be more productive? So does that mean, for example, that you can take a look at one piece of the Amazon rainforest and say, well, this is a really important one that is contributing more to carbon capture than another part of the rainforest would? Yeah, so the way we're looking at this is we're looking at this as how to best structure the productivity. So I guess I would um, refine your statement a little bit to be which, which regions would be have the most potential to be good at, at absorbing carbon and which have the most potential for agriculture. And these productivities, you know, they're correlated, but not perfectly so. So uh, some regions are, broadly speaking, better at one versus the other one. And so we have data that helps us guide that, you know, exactly that trade-off between uh, those productivities. So, Lars, when we're looking at everything from, you know, the value of agriculture on a certain piece of land to trying to figure out what the value of trees on that land would be, all of that, first of all, is going to potentially change over time. I mean, cattle prices, that changes daily, right? And uh, carbon capture 
can seem to be very amorphous. So there's a lot of uncertainty baked into this question. How do you work with that? Yeah, so certainly a challenge here is, you know, we may be using the land, seeing the land used in one purpose, and we're trying to have to speculate on how, how value would be to, if, if we shifted purposes in it. And so that's where we really want, we um, have methods that allow us to think quantitatively how important that uncertainty is. So um, when we're inputting, we're not inputting an exact productivity number for agriculture, an exact productivity number for carbon capture in each location. We're actually putting in distributions of numbers, saying, well, well, try to capture that uncertainty. Now, we don't know those distributions exactly right, and so we have to look at the consequences of those of, of shifting those distributions around a little bit. This is where the uncertainty analysis comes into play in a big way. And part of what we show is the following. The uncertainty does have some important impacts in, in our analysis. It turns out if you look at just the aggregate numbers about how much of the land is devoted to agriculture versus, or should be devoted to agriculture versus carbon capture, the aggregate numbers are not so sensitive to this un- these uncertainties. But what is, is is which locations you develop when and in what order. So as we imagine using the Amazon in more efficient ways, what that's going to do is you're going to start shifting the land use. And, and the order in which you shift that land use and, 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 and the locations over, over which it takes place, that's where the uncertainty plays a very central role in our analysis. And you know, we've, we've been trying to work out innovative ways to, um, uh, to actually display how that, uh, uh, how that all plays out. Is it fair to say that you essentially bake uncertainty into the result? Bake. Um, we certainly uh, uh, input uncertainty into the result, but we insert uncertainty from a perspective that is that Chicago economists sometimes called Knightian uncertainty because Frank Knight was a very famous Chicago economist who, who started talking about uncertainty in very broad terms. And, and so we actually use uncertainty in broader terms in most economic analyses to capture the fact that we can't necessarily assign precise probabilities to everything. And so we have to like, you know, uh, wrestle with the fact that, that, that uncertainty is more, has to be more broadly conceived. And so, we, so part of what we're doing is inc- incorporating those type of ideas into our so-called uncertainty quantification. And is the main problem here that that the values of both of those elements, it changes over time, right? So it's very hard to measure? That's part of it. But, but, uh, but the real policy challenge here is the following. If we think about using the land for agriculture, um, that has direct economic rewards for the, for, um, for the people engaged in it. If you think about using it for carbon capture, that is something that benefits the whole world, not just Brazil, not just that location, not not just the people who would like you know have currently maybe have entitlements of that land. It's got this much bigger type of positive influence, and this is what economists you know sometimes call externalities. It's it, it's it's something that is um, is kind of missed in the typical um, market valuations of things, uh, because it's a, it's 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 a value to society that's not captured by the usual economic incentives. And so to address this type of policy, you really do have to think about restructuring incentives in ways that are socially productive. And by incentives, I assume you're referring to, you know, I, I remember in your study, reading in your study that uh, something called the Amazon Fund was providing dollars, basically saying, you know, you're going to get this money if you do not develop this piece of land. So what exactly are you measuring in terms of putting a value on the trees, on the Amazon itself? Sure. 
in our analysis, you know, we're we're economists, so so, so we so we like the the construct of a price. Um, yeah, <laughs> we can, you we, love we prices. Can, <laughs> we love prices. We can price whatever you want. You know, <laughs> we're, we claim to be good at this. So, but this is you know this is a problem that has like external values. So when we're thinking about a price, it's a price that um get, that, that that we're going to set externally as model builders. Okay, so this price is going to be the price of, say, um, carbon emissions. And so this could be if you are engaged in growing trees, it's a reward. If you're engaged in agriculture, you're emitting carbon, and therefore it becomes a cost. So that becomes an input into our uh, analysis. Now, we input it this in, in multiple ways. One is, is we produce a price that captures so-called business as usual, that reflects business as usual. So with this external price, this would um, can kind of track the aggregate uh, productivity numbers in the Brazilian Amazon. And so that's a, that's a base level price, a business as usual price. And, and, and by that, you're really talking about the agriculture then that is happening there? Yeah, I mean, largely that's supporting the agriculture, which is happening there. I mean, it also can be used to, for, for the carbon capture, too. So Okay, okay. Now we say, well, that, well, that price, which is um, something like $5 per gigaton or something, uh, if I got the numbers right. Now we ask how much, what happens if we start increasing that price, okay? So the reason you might want to think about increasing the price is right now Brazil is not in, you know, it's, 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 it's a net carbon emitter, emitter. As we increase this price... That that's going to be more compensation for people who are um, holding land that's used for carbon absorption and more costs for people engaged in farming. Um, so we increase that number from, say, 5 to 15. We're, all, we're already seeing a big shift in the amount of uh, um, land being, being allocated towards carbon capture in a way that is really quite notable quantitatively. And so if we compare this to what people think about, you know, prices that show up in carbon markets and elsewhere, these are this is a pretty modest change in change in this uh, in, in this price. So part of the messages we're out there is it's what seems to us to be a rather modest change in this in this externally set price. One could actually achieve achieve quite a bit. So now that price that we're setting is is, is kind of a proxy potentially for a whole variety of different pro, uh, type of projects that could engage things. They could involve the, um, the the Brazilian government buying up the land and then and then then reallocating its purposes. It could involve this these external funds you talked about that 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 would then provide these additional incentives for for people to engage in uh, um, to purchase land to preserve to preserve the Amazon. There, um, there's a very interesting contrast here between Brazil and Costa Rica. Costa Rica, if, if you look at it, has you know has done an amazing job in preserving their rainforest, and, and it's and, and it's been through both um, government purchases, but it's also been through these kind of uh, making sure there's appropriate subsidies for uh, uh, for private sector people wanting to engage in activities that that help address climate change. And so this gives them kind of uh, some type of implicit credit, bragging rights, it can get, and, 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 huh. uh, and, and more formal rewards for, uh, for participation. Yeah. So you're, you're really looking at figuring out how to make it worthwhile for any private entity, a farmer, anyone to not change that land for a different purpose. Yeah. So if it, what's interesting about the agricultural numbers that we have, productivity numbers, is that uh, those productivity numbers, even within the country of Brazil, are not very high for, uh, um, for agriculture. 
So this is relatively inefficient agriculture as things go. Elsewhere in Brazil, there's much, you know, the productivity numbers for agriculture are much, much higher. So you know, we think of you know, Brazil and cattle raising and the like as a, very, as a, as a, as a very important business there. Um, that activity done in the Amazon Broadly speaking, is not terribly productive. It just so happens they have no incentives to do other things with it. So therefore, they uh, uh, yeah, this is how they use it. And that's part of the reason why it's potentially not really expensive to address this problem of uh, how to how to preserve the Brazilian rainforest so it can absorb more more carbon. This may be beyond your purview, and it's a complete tangent, but I'm very interested uh, in this idea that cutting down all this deforestation that they've been doing to raise cattle on it that it's Maybe not the best place to do that anyway. What What is the difference? Do you know? Yeah. So, I mean, if you don't give any type of external reward for preserving the rainforest, then, you know, they, then why not use the land for something which, which there can be economic return for? And so that's that, 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 and, and that leads them to uh, use it for uh, uh, upper grazing cows. Uh, so you really do but have to But it's not necessarily incentives. a great place to do that? Well, I mean, there's better places in Brazil, but, you know, it, it's... it's oh, yeah, uh, okay. Uh, for doing it, but you know, uh, if this is the land you have access to, you know, why not use it for something? And so this is a, this is an activity which they get some reward out out of. One one always has to be thinking about uh, um, the alternative trade offs these people face in terms of how to use the land. Uh, they uh, and and so this is the one which they can currently use in ways that are uh, economically sensible given given the current reward system. Then how do you design a monetary range for basically paying for the rainforest to be left alone? What kind of figures do you look at, and how do how do you come to that price point? The output of our model is basically this um, a map that evolves dynamically over time, and so what I mean is be a map of the entire Amazon, showing you that uh, uh, where productivity is. And, and then how it should evolve in the future as we restructure these incentives. So it has this kind of dynamic and spatial scale to it. And so it's really a dynamic evolution of the map of the Amazon in terms of economic activity. Now, what we show is that that dynamic evolution, that's going to change in very important ways as you reset this price, this external price of, uh, uh, of, of say, carbon emissions. So as you increase it, say, from 5 to 15, that, that dynamics evolves very, very differently, and you start reallocating production in different locations quite differently as well. Based on that. Yeah. This is a dynamic problem at the end of the day because you can't just, you know, costlessly shift production going on in the Amazon. You just can't snap your fingers and say, I'm going to do this. You know, it, right. you know, it takes resources in order to move things around and to shift things around. It takes time, resources, and the like. So then it becomes a, a dynamic evolution. But but part of what we also show in our in our analysis is that the dynamics play out at a fairly short time scale. You know, as we start changing these prices... Um, even in you know ten or fifteen years, you see see um, rather substantial shifts in how in, in how that land is used within the Amazon. You know, uh, Lars. In some ways, it seems to me, as a non-economist, um, that the stakes are so much higher for one side of this equation. You know, on one hand, deforestation, cattle raising, you have the very local financial benefit, jobs, commodities to sell. I suppose you could argue some of that beef is going abroad, but it's mostly local, right? So then on the other side, you have arguably the future of humanity. Not that the Amazon is going to solve climate change on its own, but it's it's such a huge part of that calculation. If you believe in climate change, these things are not remotely of equal value. Oh, I agree. I mean, you know, that, that, and that's in order to capture that, you know, that you know, we're capturing that through this external price we're setting, the, you know, um, 
you know, right, the price of carbon emission. That price is kind of key between because that tells you the cost of using it for agriculture versus the benefit of, of this alternative use of it. So that's you know, I, we find that a very useful way to kind of uh, to reflect exactly what you're saying. I mean, it seems like it would be actually priced less. Uh, yeah, well, that, if you can accomplish a lot, a lot, a lot with a finite price, then you could, then, then then you raise the price. You'll you'll, uh, you'll accomplish uh, even more. As an economist, I'm reluctant to say it's price less, even though part of me thinks that right because everything has a that, price. <laughs> part of me thinks that I really want to see you know beautiful uh, uh, biodiversity and, and and enjoy it, and 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 I'm not going to tell you what number you know what numerical value it is for me. But but you know at the end of the day, to, to get anywhere, we have to put some type of evaluation on things. So what can policymakers take away from this research, especially when you're looking at Brazil? The former government of Jair Bolsonaro basically advocated for more deforestation. His successor now, Lula da Silva, has said he plans to end it entirely by the year 2030. Um, What case can this research help make? So I think it can make two cases. One for within Brazil itself, it can... um, help Brazil think about the benefits to doing some restructuring. I also th- think, to me, it opens the door to uh, more external investment in the Brazilian Amazon, uh, and, and, you know, this investment taking place in terms of uh, purchasing land purchases that would, uh, that, that would preserve the rainforest. Uh, and, and, and saying that, that, you know, that perhaps you know, that type of activity, we should figure out ways to structure that to make it um, uh, easier and more rewarding to take place. Uh, you know, these prices we're talking about, we have to figure out ways to uh, map it into what potential buyers, what external buyers of this land uh, can, you know, can actually see the value to it. But the surprising and uh, part of our study, to me anyway, being an outsider to this whole pro- um, Brazilian Amazon, is a, is, a fair, is a fairly low type of price adjustments we're talking about in order to get a rather substantial response. Yeah, and that's what you were talking about when you're evaluating the whatever price you're getting for the agricultural benefit versus maybe adding just a little bit more to an incentive to get people not to develop that land. Right. All right. Lars Peter Hansen, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. My privilege. The Pie is a production of the Becker Friedman Institute for Economics at the University of Chicago. If you'd like to keep in touch with the latest economic research from the University of Chicago, you can visit bfi.uchicago.edu slash subscribe. And you can sign up for our newsletter there as well. And of course, you can subscribe to The Pie on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Our theme music was composed by Story Mechanics, production assistance from the BFI communications team. I'm Tess Vigland, your host and executive producer. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.